welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Caught my message this morning, are we there yet? I don't know if you've ever, uh, if these kind of thoughts ever go through your, your mind or if you've ever been in that place where you feel like you're continuing to to do your best at at following God and coming to church and things don't ever seem to feel that much different. You ever, ever kind of had a, a moment like that where you've kind of gone, it just feels like we're doing the same thing day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out and, and things don't, you know, it feels a little bit like we're just kind of marking time, treading water, going around in circles, um, whether it's, you know, for, for us personally, in our own kind of spiritual life or our own life in general or for us as a church. I have moments um, where, I, where I feel like that and times where I feel like that and, and seasons and, and that sort of thing. Um, hopefully, I'm not the only one uh, and some of you can sort of relate a little bit um, or this message isn't going to be particularly relevant to you if you've never ever felt that way. If you feel like every day is new and, and every day is exciting and every day you're just going, wow, I just can't wait to see what Jesus is going to do today, um, then you probably don't, or maybe you should be up here preaching uh, <laughs> instead of sitting down there and listening. But that was, that was kind of the, the thoughts and, and what I felt like God was putting on my heart was just just to kind of talk about this sort of, uh, this feeling sometimes that we get, because it's easy to, to get discouraged when we're in that kind of place, isn't it? It's easy to kind of get to that point where we feel like, why should I bother continuing to make an effort each day? Because no, nothing's really changing, nothing's happening, and it's easy to just kind of go, well, if nothing I do makes a difference, then I don't really need to bother, because... How many of us know being a Christian and doing the things that God calls us to do and and the daily disciplines of Christian life isn't always easy, is it? (laughs) Sometimes it like I mean, some days sure. Some days we're cruising and we're you know like us and God are like besties and you know and and other days it's like today just feels like a slog. Today just feels like I'm you know like Paul just he's I always remember. That passage of scripture where Paul's, you know, he writes, I, you know, forgetting the things that are behind, I press on, I press in, you know, and it's like this, the, this, the, the, the words have this kind of connotation of effort behind them. He's like, I have to press, you know, and, uh, and, and sometimes it's a little bit like that. I was, I was reading a book that um, Hayley lent to me during the week, which is, uh, I've read like one chapter, so, um, but, but it's been really, it's been really good. It's been encouraging me. Um, and it's talking about uh, this whole idea of uh, quiet leaders. And so I kind of relate to that a little bit. And some of you are going like, you're not that quiet, but um, <laughs> you know what it's like? Like you have the, like the big upfront, loud, you know, Stephen Furtick type of mega church pastors that are like, you know, um, they, they're like all that. And, you know, I'm here and, you know, I don't have his fashion sense or uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have that chain, you know, around here to attach to my wallet like all the cool kids do. Um, <laughs> and the, and the, the, the skinny jeans, I don't know, how you, I cannot pull off skinny jeans, believe me, you don't want to see that. Um, 
But it's kind of talking about the, it, it's about the tortoise, you know, and the, the tortoise, I think it's called, what's it called? The tortoise usually wins. Um, and, and about this whole idea of sometimes, you know, this, uh, it, it doesn't have to, our, our walk with God doesn't have to be flashy. It doesn't have to be, you know, like super out there. It's like, it's okay to, to just kind of make slow, sort of steady progress. But, you know, some, sometimes uh, we don't even feel like we're doing that, do we? And sometimes it's all we can do to just kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other, to get up, to get out of bed. Sometimes, you know, we, we barely even struggle to, to open the cover of this thing here and we're like, what's the point? You know, it's just words. Um, and, and I started to think about this and I thought about um, one of my favourite kind of parts of the Bible where I always get lots of uh, inspiration and find lots of illustrations, particularly because they did all the wrong things, um, and that's uh, Israel, right? And they come out of Egypt, God sets them free, and He's doing all these miracles, and, you know, we, we know this story, don't we? They're like, no, what are you doing, God? What do you bring us out here for? And uh, He's like, fine, you can just wander around for a few years then until you, you know, adjust that attitude, young man. Um, <laughs> And, and, uh, and so they wandered around the desert, as we know, for 40 years. And, and there must have been times when they felt like, I, I mean, 40 years is a long time. Like, that's almost, well, it's probably not quite as big a portion of my life. as I, I, Like, I'm, I'm 42, so like I've, that's most of my life. I wish I could say it was longer than I've been alive, but no, it's, it's most of my life. Um, but it's, it's a long time and there, there would have been days, there would have been, I'm sure that there were times when just about everybody in that group of people would have thought, God, why are we out here walking around in circles, going nowhere, doing nothing? And, uh, and so I want to kind of look at that a little bit. Um, I don't want to kind of go too much into the story that we already know, but I want to look at some of the things. My, my subtitle, which I put up there, if you can read that, is, is Lessons from Israel's Wandering. And sometimes I kind of look at that story and I think, you know, God, what were you doing with these people? Was it just about, uh, you know, like punishing them for their lack of faith? Was it just kind of a, a, a punitive sort of thing? Was it just a, you know, you want to grumble against me, I'll teach you a lesson kind of um, attitude from God? And he would have, you know, if, if that's all it was, he still would have been perfectly justified, don't get me wrong. Like God would have been perfectly justified in doing it for that reason and for that reason alone. But I wonder if God's heart was a little bit, um, if there were some other things that were kind of going on uh, in, with God's purpose in that. We know that um, Romans tells us that God works all things together for good for those who are called according to His purpose, called by His name and called according to His purpose. And so I wonder if uh, there were some things that God was wanting these people to learn and some things that maybe we can learn and apply to the, those times in our life where we feel like, we're going nowhere and we're doing nothing and we're, we're getting nothing. So I've got three things. Now I've got a bit of alliteration to help you remember. They all start with F, okay? Uh, I've got three F words. Now, you don't hear that very often in a sermon, do you? Okay. 
first one I want to look at is fear, okay? Fear God. And I think, you know, as I read this scripture, there are so many things that happen when I go, surely God was trying to get it into these people's head that, that He was powerful, you know, God demonstrated His power over and over and over again. God demonstrated His holiness over and over again. And these were people, I guess, in, in many ways, during their time of slavery in Egypt, they hadn't seen a lot of the hand of God. Not that God wasn't with them. God was with them, absolutely. He heard their cries, He heard their pleas. But when they came out of Egypt, when they came out of slavery, they began to see God in a whole new way. They began to see the God of power. They began to see a God of, uh, of holiness and a God of righteousness and a, God, um, a miracle-working God who parted seas and, and destroyed armies. And they began to see a God who was to be feared and respected because of His holiness and His power. Look at a couple of scriptures here. We've got Exodus 19, verses 10 to 12. It says, And the Lord told Moses, Go down and prepare the people. This is when they've come out into the wilderness. They've come to Mount Sinai and God is giving them instructions about coming and worshiping. He's like, I'm going to come down on this mountain and you're going to worship me. All right, so He, he says to Moses, Go down and prepare the people for my arrival consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Be sure they are ready on the third day, for on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. All right, but he's, he's serious. He wants to make a point here about his, his holiness and, and stuff. He says, mark off a boundary all around the mountain. He says, warn the people, be careful, do not go up on the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. God ain't playing. <laughs> he, he is not messing around. It goes on, verse 16, he says, On the morning of the third day, get this mental picture in your mind, okay? Thunder roared, lightning flashed, this dense cloud comes down on the mountain. There was a, loud, a long, loud blast from a ram's horn. That's, that's the best that they could describe it. I don't, I don't think anybody was actually there like with a, a horn or anything, but that's, they hear this long trumpet blast and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. Isn't that a picture that would, would stay with you? Don't you think if you were there... And if you had experienced that, that, that's one of those stories that you tell your grandkids. You know, I remember that time when, you know, I was at Mount Sinai and God came down on the mountain and there was thunder and there was lightning and there was smoke and, and we were petrified, you know, we were so scared. But that's the, the kind of thing that, that gets your attention and the kind of thing that says, this is a God of power. A God who comes and, and harnesses the natural elements. A God who, who puts, you know, lightning to shame. You know, who, who, is, who is intense. Goes on, the smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. 
And as they, as they went on from that place, it, you know, as if that's not enough, all right, as if, as if that wasn't enough. And some of us are here going like, you know, if, I, if I'd seen that, you know, that would have been enough for me, you know, I'd be like, would never put a foot out of place again, you know, with God. And it's like, well, I don't know about that. Uh, and, and as they, they, they're going on from that place, and, and this is God, he's, he's talking to, to Moses and, and to the people through Moses in, in chapter 23. He says, see, I'm sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey and lead you safely to the place I have prepared for you. Pay close attention to him and obey his instructions do not rebel against him, for he is my representative. Some translations say, my name is in him, and he will not forgive your rebellion. That sounds like a warning if ever I've heard one, doesn't it? So, so this is God, he's saying, you know, hey, guys, I'm holy, I'm not to be trifled with, I'm a God of power, but here's the good news, I'm on your side. And I will go before you and I will put my power and my holiness to work on your behalf. And I will drive out enemies before you. And my representative will clear the path for you if you will just listen and if you will obey. But we kind of know a bit of how the story goes on from there, don't we? It's like not too much further on in the story before we have events like uh, these, uh, there, were, there was um, Korah, Dathan and Abiram. Hey, there you go, why don't you name uh, <laughs> your children Abiram, hey? Not Abraham, but uh, in number 16 you can read about, there was these, th- this whole bunch of the Levites, who were like, the, these guys were like the priests and they like coming to Moses and going like, who, who said you were the like holiest one? Like we're holy guys too. Like we're Levites, and um, you know people should listen to us. And why should we listen to you? You're just another dude, and you're not even a Levite. Um, who, who are you to say that you know, like that that you can speak for God? And uh, and so they grumbled and they complained, and there was this whole rebellion. And so you know God just like opened up the earth and swallowed them all into it. You know, <laughs> yeah. See you later. All right. Uh, uh, you know, it was this kind of this, this challenge. It was a little bit like um, the Elijah on Mount Carmel kind of moment. It's like, I'll get my thing, my sensor with the coals in it, and you get your sensors with the coals in it, and we'll ask God to judge between us. And, and God did. You know, and, and there was all, the, all these kind of stories. There was, you know, we know the story about the, the serpents and who came and Moses had to make the, the bronze serpent on the pole and people would look to it and they would be healed from the serpent, the snake bites and there was like plagues and diseases that would kill off like 10 or 20,000 people at a time because they'd all been grumbling and moaning and complaining and, you know, rah, 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 and it's like, I, I'm so glad that I wasn't part of that because I grumble to God all the time. And uh, I'm, I'm really glad that he doesn't send snakes to bite me. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, but, but there's this kind of, uh, again and again and again, we see God's almost like demonstrating and trying to teach his people about who he is. 
You know, and we serve, although, you know, we, we live in a different kind of covenant era, we have this amazing kind of through Christ where we made right and so we experience the, the, the grace of God towards us and it's not sort of this, you know, do the right thing and get blessed, do the wrong thing and get bitten by snakes anymore. Um, you know, so, so we're, we're really fortunate to be living in this time where our... Uh, our relationship with God is based on what Jesus has done. But we still serve the same God. We still serve that God of fire and lightning and thunder and smoke. We still serve that same God of holiness who is mighty and powerful You know, and we see uh, images of that through visions that that guys like John had and we read about in the book of Revelation, where we see angels who, you know, look incredibly powerful and majestic and, and holy, basically prostrating themselves before our God and our King. And so they needed to learn, I think we also need to understand our holy and mighty God is. We're very grateful that He goes before us and He fights on our behalf. And I think sometimes we kind of get into little sort of quandaries and and fears and and doubts because we forget who is on our side, don't we? Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. When, when we remind ourselves, when we're aware of, of who it is that fights for us, we make better decisions. Who would have thought? Ah. Uh, I, I think of Isaiah too, as another guy who had this incredible vision of going up into the throne room of heaven. And you know, you, you, we read a little here in verse 5, we read his response to to that, that vision of being in the throne room of God, you know, this is what he said, he said, it's all over, I'm doomed, <laughs> I'm a sinful man, I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips, yet I have seen the King, the Lord of Heaven's armies. And we, we read that, it's, it's like this, this instantaneous, instinctive response from Isaiah is he's in the presence of of holiness, as in the presence of the, this God of power, all of a sudden he's like, he's, he's slammed on the floor. He's not like, uh, yeah, look, I don't, I don't think like I really belong here. I think I'll just kind of go maybe. You know, it wasn't like that, was it? It wasn't like that. There was, there was nothing casual about it. He's like, he's freaking out. He's, he's losing the plot. All right. Fear of the Lord. Number two, the people of Israel were learning to follow. They were learning to fear the Lord and who God is, but they were also learning that He was someone that they could follow, that He was leading them, that He was guiding them, He was caring for them. It began with, as we know, it began with the pillar of fire slash cloud. Uh, it was sort of like cloud that sort of looked like fire at night time that makes sense it's supernatural so it's probably nothing you've ever seen before um i i sometimes try to get these mental pictures and mental images and then i go no it's not quite like that it's not quite right and they go and in the end i just go it must be a god thing 
Exodus 13, 21, 22. It says, The Lord went ahead of them, He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and He provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. In Numbers chapter 9, verse 17, it says, whenever the, it's talking about the, the, the tabernacle, when the tabernacle was established and how this, this, this pillar of God would rest on the tabernacle. And he says, whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and they would follow it. Like, oh, God's moving, let's go. And, uh, and wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. So they were learning to follow God. They were learning to go where He went. He kind of goes on a little bit further. You can go and read that, if you like, later on in Numbers 9. and talks about how, you know, sometimes it would stay in one spot for two days and sometimes it would stay in the same spot for a year and however long it was they're like okay we'll just you know if that cloud of God's glory is still on the 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 tabernacle the tent then we keep staying once it lifts up then we go during their time they had to learn to trust in God they they had to kind of learn that following God was the place of security for them they had to learn the, this whole kind of sense of when we, when we follow God, when we listen to God, when we go where He goes, even though it doesn't always make sense, even though sometimes it feels like it's aimless, even though it, sometimes it feels like it's arbitrary or pointless, that when we follow where God leads, there is provision. When we go where God is, there is blessing and there is protection and there is manna on the ground. And we have that same kind of uh, uh, image in the New Testament when Jesus came and He talked about being the Good Shepherd and He says, you know, my my sheep uh, know my voice and my sheep follow me. And He says, uh, in John 10, uh, second part of verse 3 and into verse 4, He says, He's talking about the Good Shepherd and He says, He calls His own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. And we see pictures of this throughout Scripture, don't we? In, in Psalm 23, we have this picture of the shepherd who, who leads his sheep and he, he takes them and he finds water. And he takes them to the, the, the green pastures where there's plenty of food and there's, there's abundance and he protects them against lions and, and bears and against enemies. And even through scary places, the shepherd is there and leading and he will deliver you. And so uh, we, we have Israel who are learning how to follow God, how to, how to listen for His voice, how to tune in and, and be guided and led and that that's their place of safety. That their place of safety is not in the comfort of Egypt, that their place of safety is not in uh, houses of brick and stone, that their place of safety is not in, in their family grouping or connections or relationships, that their place of safety is not in a place where they know that their crops are going to be good and they're going to be able to provide for themselves, but that their place of safety is in the presence of God. Sometimes what we need most of all is to come into that place 
of safety. And when we feel like we don't know why, when we feel like we don't know where we're going, to, to come back to that place of, my responsibility is not to work out where I'm going. Is it? What's my responsibility? My responsibility is not to know the destination, but to know the one who's going to lead me there. My responsibility is to just follow Jesus uh, in this spot. And if, the, 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 you know, if, if He says, stay, then I stay. And if He picks up and moves on to something else, then I let go of that and I leave that spot behind. And you know what? It must have been... Uh, in those moments, you know, when they'd been in one spot for like a year or two years... And, you know, they'd, they'd, gotten, they'd forgotten about, you know, this annoying thing about, um, you know, packing up their tents and they'd probably started planting little gardens and, you know, um, little, made little pens for their, their livestock and all the things that you kind of do to make your day-to-day life easier. And all of a sudden it's like we just start to get comfortable, we just start to get settled, we just start to get in a little routine and we're starting to find comfort in things. And God says, all right, we're moving now, let it go. Leave it behind. We're moving on. You ever feel like God does that to you? <laughs> Just done to get comfortable here, God. What are you doing to me? <laughs> but He wants us to learn that our place of security is in Him and not in anything else. Amen? All right, that's number two. That's follow. Right, so we've we got to learn to follow. Number three, this is the third thing, this is the last one. Maybe you can think of others, I don't know, this is all the F words I could think of. No, not really, but the, the third thing that they were learning in the desert is to fight. These were people who had come out of slavery. They were not a people who'd been brought up to fight. But they were being led to a place that was occupied. They were being led, they, they, there were people in the land of Canaan that were not just going to roll over and get out of the way for these bunch of slaves that had come out of Egypt to come in and take their homes. It, that's not, that's, that was the furthest thing from their mind. They were, they're like, you know, we're here and this is our town and this is my house and you're going to have to go through me if you want to take it. And the people of Israel needed to kind of get Egypt out of their head. They needed to, get, they, they needed to learn how, how to do battle the way that God wanted them to do battle. They needed to learn how to fight with God for the pla- in the places that He called them to. Not, not just to fight, but to fight knowing that God is on my side. And how many times do you and I mess that up? How many times do we get into fights that we really shouldn't? (laughs) How many times, even the fights that we're supposed to fight, we fight with the wrong weapons? And we fight in the wrong places and we fight on the wrong battlegrounds and in the wrong rings. And God is saying, hey, you know, come and do things my way. Come and fight my way. Learn to fight my way. Learn to to fight like I'm on your side and fight with that kind of confidence. They needed to learn how to be an army. And I can imagine that there was a lot of that time that they spent in that desert 
practicing. Practicing with this, whatever weapons they made, I don't know what weapons they made, doesn't really tell us a whole lot about that. Maybe it was bows or maybe it was swords or maybe some sort of spear, maybe it was big clubs or something, I have no idea. It's not really the point. But it does require practice. No matter what weapon you use, you've got to learn how to use it right, don't you? And this is one of the things that there would have been days and, and weeks and months where they were learning because they knew what was in store for them ahead. And so they were training, they were, they were building muscle as God was providing. I like that kind of, maybe it's the, the blokey sort of thing, it's like, yeah, working out, pumping iron or something, I don't know. Um, but we have this kind of spiritual, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, we have this kind of spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 says, you know, uh, Paul's writing, verse 10 and 11, he says, a final word, be strong in the Lord. He doesn't say, learn how to be strong by yourself. He doesn't say, learn how to have confidence in your own ability to fight. He says, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. It's not your mighty power. If you're anything like me, we don't have a whole lot. But God does. He says, His mighty power. Put on all of whose armor? God's armor. He says, God has provided this for you. And if we try to fight with our armor, it's, it's, we, we, we're going to struggle. Because our armor is not designed for the kind of fight that God has called us to fight. He says, put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. We need to learn, like Israel, how to fight. We need to learn how to be tough in tough situations. We need to learn how to find, uh, you know, how, how to survive in, in the wilderness, how to survive in uh, a hostile climate, a hostile environment. The environment in which we live is not particularly uh, sympathetic towards true Christians and, and true faith and people who genuinely want to follow Jesus. And we need to learn how to find water. We need to learn how to find uh, food and sustenance and strength and all the things that we kind of need to, to equip ourselves with in a, in a hostile and unsympathetic environment. All right. What was the first one? Fear God. Number two, follow. Number three, fight. Fear God, follow and fight. As we continue to do this, all right, I'll give you a fourth F word and that's faithful. As we continue to be faithful, as we continue to do the things that God's called us to do, as we continue to go, God, I don't know where this is going, I don't know what kind of outcomes you're, you're leading me towards. It doesn't matter what today looks like, whether today looks the same as yesterday. If you're leading, I'm going to follow. You are a God who is who's holy and I'm not. And so if I don't understand, I, I'm going to be okay with that because I'm going to trust you. I'm going to keep following you and I'm going to keep learning how to fight with the weapons and the armor that you have given me. I want to encourage you this morning. This is, I guess, what God was speaking to my heart and encouraging me with is, is this concept of, you know, just keep being faithful. 
keep going don't be don't be discouraged don't give up stick it out you know put that kind of thing that says you know all i've got to do is is take one more step and trust the destination and the outcome to the one who knows it all can we pray together thank you father that you are a mighty and holy god you are awe-inspiring and father help us to to have that 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 picture of you lord we're so grateful for the the intimacy and the, and the the grace that you pour out uh upon us the relationship that we have with you that the confidence that we can come before your throne and worship you but father uh, i ask that you would remind us and keep reminding us and and keep that awareness in our in our in our spirits and in our hearts that you are a mighty and powerful and holy god your ways are higher than our ways your thoughts are higher than our thoughts you are infinitely more uh than, than we could ever imagine you are able to do more than we could ever ask or dream of God, you, are, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Your hand is not short that you cannot heal. God, your word is full of all these amazing descriptions of, uh, of your might and your power and your holiness. And so many of us have seen that displayed in our own lives. Well, the way that you've taken us and transformed us demonstrates your power. Father, we pray that, that we would follow, that you would help us to, to be diligent, that you would help us to continue to, to seek your face, to chase after you, to learn how, how to stop and rest when you, you, you command us to do that and how to move on and, and to let things go when, when you take us on to new places and new things. Father, help us to, to discover, to find our security in you, our, our place of, of comfort and our place of confidence in you and in your voice. Father, I pray that you would continue to uh, bind us together as a family, Father, to support one another, to lift one another up, to fight for each other, and to remember that you fight for us and you are on our side. We thank you for these amazing promises. We thank you for who you are and the strength that you provide for each one of us, your children. We thank you, Father, and bless your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.